from Moby.co. This is the Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast exploring the stock market, the economy, and the various market forces shaping the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr, bringing you this time, you know, it's big boy earnings seasons, folks. We had most of big tech report this week, and there's a lot of wild details to unpack, as well as GDP figures that are pointing us either towards or away from a recession. We are very much still within the moment of truth for the Federal Reserve right now. So a lot of things to sort of unpack. It's a very live week. Let's get through it as quickly as possible. As always, to help me unpack all of that, though, audience, I'm joined by Justin Kramer, CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst here at Moby.co. Justin, man, kind of a whirlwind of stuff going on here in this market. How are you feeling? How are you keeping up with it? Yeah, there's, uh, to your point, a lot of stuff going on right now. The market's up one day, it's down the next. Banks are going potentially out of business, but yet the S&P is still up 9% this year, uh, and it's been on a pretty good run since that dip down in mid-March. Um, so generally things trending in a, a relatively good direction, but again, a lot of there's a lot of unknowns with GDP, with inflation, with earnings for this quarter, next quarter. So there, like always, there's, there's a thousand moving pieces and there's a, a lot to get into. And so I figured let's get with the more interesting stuff first, right, Justin, rather than like bore people with GDP figures, despite how important that is. Let's talk earnings first. That's what everyone's interested in. Uh, for me, the big headline this week, it's Microsoft. Um, cloud is back in a big way. Microsoft is the clear winner here in cloud right now. And what's amazing to see is actually Microsoft is winning mostly because Amazon's kind of losing. We got Amazon's earnings call last night. The market is not happy with cloud revenue and profitability numbers, but I think we're just kind of waiting another quarter since Amazon just started, you know, cutting um, costs from AWS right now. But help me unpack that, Justin. Is What do you think about Microsoft right now? Is Azure going to be the new king in cloud? Yeah, I mean, they reported earnings this week and the numbers were were out of control. If you, if you missed it, Microsoft reported $28.58 billion in revenue for the quarter. Um, and they've been floating kind of around uh, 20 to 22 billion uh, for the last few quarters. So Growth over the last five to 10 years has been pretty significant. Dating back to 2015, we saw it closer to the five to six range. And now again, they're they're closing in on 30 billion. So the the growth growth for them has been absolutely out of control. And when you think about kind of their their ultimately their biggest competitors, it's going to be Amazon for the most part, uh, as well as Google. But when it relates to Microsoft in particular, they're continuing to take market share, and this has caught a lot of analysts by surprise. And especially as it relates to Amazon and AWS, it, you know their their growth opportunity, which makes um, Microsoft's growth opportunity even better. But Amazon's growth opportunity is a little bit kind of uncertain. Um, they're still trying to optimize uh, the you know the TAM though is still largely untapped. Uh, untapped. They're still you know, it's a $2 trillion plus industry that in terms of modernizing so many different industries. Um, and, you know, with AI, it should probably help speed up the adoption of a lot of that. So it's, you won't need a lot of developers and won't need people to help kind of onboard you on the company side. So, I mean, long story short, there's ultimately a massive upside opportunity for Microsoft to continue to expand out cloud uh, while the others kind of stagnate a bit. Um so we'll we'll see how it plays on the wrong one. But this is, I mean, you know, one reason of many we continue to be big investors in Microsoft. 
Because the main thing to keep in mind, too, audience, is that while Microsoft Azure still is slowing growth, like Q, uh, the in the previous quarter, Azure grew 31%, before that, 35 and before that, 40 um, What we're seeing now is not necessarily a decline, but stabilization. And if Azure can kind of maintain a presence by growing, you know, you know, 20 to 30% in that range, it's going to be an absolutely barn burner of a revenue line for Microsoft moving forward, which is incredible as you watch other aspects of Microsoft business take off. Like we're not seeing a lot of search revenue right now, but Microsoft only needs to get a couple of extra points in search to sort of prove out that this AI model they're trying with Bing is going to work out, right? So a lot of really positive signs here at Microsoft, but like you said, Justin, kind of some negative ones at Amazon as well. Again, probably just going to wait a little bit in terms of where Amazon is going, but not super excited to see where they are right now. Amazon's obviously been waning a little bit, really excited to see them kind of recover now that they're finally finishing off their cuts and getting into the year of efficiency. Speaking of which, Justin, um, a lot of milestones came out of Meta as well, who is not quite approaching our price target, but it's getting closer and closer every day. Basically, the minute we decide, okay, Meta's good now, Meta decides to post barn burner earnings. So we're, you know, pretty happy that we switched switched over to the Facebook bull side when we did. Um, Facebook has also spent $40 billion on the Metaverse so far, but the market is still rewarding Mark Zuckerberg for this. What's going on over at Meta? Like, how are they able to maintain this growth all wasting just literally a Saturn five projects worth of money on a haunted house inside of Facebook. Yeah, it's it's interesting because, you know, rewind a year or two ago, we we were on the opposite side of the fence. Didn't like Meta, thought they were blowing a ton of money on the metaverse, which frankly they still are, but their focus was away from the core side of their business. And, you know, as such, especially with the brand value they've ascertained over the last few years, we we really were staying away from it. And, you know, I think we were pretty right on that call for for about a year or two. Um, and then earlier this year, we actually flip-flopped our weighting because of how much it was sold off. And when we looked at the business, and yes, they are still spending a ton of money on the metaverse, they've then made the emphasis now to shift forward and really start focusing on profitability, on reducing a lot of burn that's coming out of the company. And I think as Mark Zuckerberg dubbed it, focus on this like year ultimately of efficiency, improving revenue, improving engaging trends. And that was a, kind of the real turn for us was the stock super sold off and they're going to completely shift you know away from what they've been saying over the last few years and so meta reports q1 earnings this week and honestly it's just kind of reconfirmed what they said they were going to do which is really encouraging so first you know they definitely were delivered on the top end of estimates for revenue guidance um and this was really due to ad growth ad revenue growth increasing as there was more adoption on the platform. Um, so that that was extremely encouraging to see. Um, and then that stronger engagement growth, they're specifically getting kind of from now AI. They're saying that they're making better recommendations. Um, and it's ultimately then driving more people using Reels, more users resharing Reels. And now we're getting, you know, reshares for, for their Reels platform for over 2 billion times a day, which is pretty insane if you actually think about it. So they said that their AI recommendations have driven more than a 24% increase in the time spent on Instagram over the last quarter. So that's obviously a massive shift. If you're an early user and you know you don't want to be there for video, you want to be there for pictures, you know, the the consensus has spoken that Reels is going to be their future as TikTok, you know, has has shown that it's super effective over the last few years. So long story short, you know, they're still ultimately burning a ton of money 
uh, on the metaverse. But when we look at the efficiency of the company, uh, their free cash flow was ended up being four billion dollars better than most people modeled. Um, so stocks up huge this year, almost a hundred percent. Um, and we continue to kind of be overweight, uh, right now there's been a, obviously a, a super strong run up. Like I just said, the stock's trading around $240. Uh, we're still overweight. We're going to update our price target soon. And, you know, kind of as a sneak preview, it'll probably be, you know, a good 10 to 10 to 20% higher than where it is today. Yeah, the, this earnings week has completely ruined my life just because like I used to, I had a very nice plan for the amount of research we were kind of running here. And um, that plan is now over as I have to kind of fl fight to keep up with insane updates in the pharmaceutical space, as well as things like Microsoft and Meta's earnings, which, you know, are breezing towards our price targets right now. But audience, I really want to give you something to contextualize that since we have the research fresh in our heads right now. The absolute insanity of Facebook's numbers really can't be understated. I need you to understand that despite the fact that TikTok is so dominant in social media right now, Reels is making a huge comeback. And what we're seeing right now is a Facebook and the whole ecosystem's daily active users are over 2 billion now. So literally Facebook and Meta is the most successful organization of people on the planet. There's more people visiting Facebook than are in any country in the world by half a billion people, right? Um, at the same time, they're also squeezing even more revenue per user out of each individual user. So these AI recommendations are cutting costs so much, but also they're bringing more people and every single person is about 15% more valuable than they were in the previous previous quarter. So this, whatever AI efficacy Facebook is doing to sort of maintain all of these margins is working out really well. And that gets to my next point where people talk about, oh, the TikTok algorithm is so powerful. Reels can't ever hope to match that. TikTok really isn't an algorithm if you kind of play around with it a lot. It's more like a design structure, right? There isn't a lot of AI behind what TikTok is doing, despite what people saying that like it's some insidious Chinese propaganda AI designed to radicalize you against America or whatever you think it is. All it is is just a solid design choice designed to like help you try to make friendships with people who are inside your video. Facebook is actually trying to take that and build an actual AI recommendation engine inside of Reels, right? Which will make it even more powerful than the current TikTok design structure. Turns out it's not as easy to just take over another social media company's lane the way it was with when Facebook just straight up stole stories into Instagram and ruined Snapchat forever, basically. What we're seeing right now with Reels is some really interesting design choices that are bringing a lot of people back to that platform. So it's really exciting to see this really wild comeback in Facebook's core product. Sure, we were right there on uh, in bear territory just making fun of how stupid an idea the metaverse is. Maybe we'll still be thinking that once we get to next month's WWDC for Apple and they have an AR headset that actually is cool and like can actually bring people to market. Maybe we'll get to that iPhone moment. Right now, MySpace, a dead social media website, currently has more people than New Horizons, Facebook's metaverse play, right? Regardless, Facebook's core product is absolutely popping off with, you know, essentially a quarter of Facebook staff now just gone, right? So a lot of huge changes happening in big tech and Meta is the clear winner of the efficiency play right now. And I'm really excited to see other companies take on this efficiency play as well. But that kind of ties into all of the teetering sort of pressures we have in our world economy, right? Like these layoffs contributed to a big decline in US GDP to kind of get us into our next section real fast audience before I preview too much of our future research. We saw all these layoffs in Facebook, at Microsoft, now at Amazon, too, now sort of across the board at places like Dropbox, The Gap, a lot of other places this week. And that's kind of tying into how many layoffs we saw in Q1 and how that all contributed to a 1.1% increase in the U.S. GDP in Q1 of 2023. 
What does that mean? That means the economy grew by that amount. The thing is, it grew by 2.6% in the previous quarter and 3.2% in the quarter before that. So growth is declining. And that's a huge thing we need to be monitoring. So Justin, I'm seeing three quarters of um, de- of slowing growth, not declining growth, slowing. Uh, this kind of aims at a recession, right? Like are all the recession bulls like actually accurate? Are we actually going to hit a period of negative growth come Q3 and Q4? What do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, obviously the, the biggest thing people are watching for right now is if we're going to have this hard or soft landing. So when we look at GDP, to your point, it's pumped the brakes relatively hard, um, and it only grew 1.1% in the last quarter. And again, to your point, that's a big decline from Q4's 2.6% figure. So, you know, people have been calling for a recession for the last two years now. GDP growth was negative for two successive quarters uh, last year, which technically is the definition of a recession. But then the Biden administration came out and said it wasn't. So, you know, are we, are we not in a like a technical recession as it relates to, you know, the the investing textbooks, tough to say. I think what's really important is going to be more so kind of what happens going forward. Um, exactly a point, we've had six months of declines to start off the year, um, but it's really, or start off last year, but it's been really weakening ever since. And that's hard to believe it is actually a good thing. Um, we're seeing gross domestic, like private investment here in the U.S. down 12.5%. Consumer spending is still up, um, but not nearly as much as it's been. And so, like, again, the most important thing to watch for is can we ultimately get GDP to slow down, get inflation to slow down, then will help us get interest rates back to normal without crashing the economy. So the, the biggest question mark right now is, yeah, things are slowing down. I don't think anyone's debating that. It's just, do they slow down too much? Do, do we go off the deep end? Is it a hard landing or is it a soft landing, which you'll hear a lot of people talk about? Again, a lot of this data comes in in real time, and then we look back, at, and this is all kind of lagging indicators, not leading. So it'll tell us what happened, not what will happen. Uh, most economic indicators are lagging. So when we look at this, we look at companies' expectations and earnings. You know, things are telling us that it should be hopefully a soft landing. You know, that's why the market has responded pretty well over the last month. But I think a lot of, you know, the advice that we've given so far and continue to give, especially in our own portfolios, is just to be cautious. Um, there, There's by no means is this over. You know, First Republic is, you know, potentially crashing, going out of business this week. There could be another one around the corner. I mean, there's just an infinite number of things that could really slow down this economy at any point to the, that people aren't expecting. We've talked about before the slowdown in commercial real estate. Um, given, you know, a lot of these buildings are vacant and this is what's propping banks up. If banks have to end up owning all of these assets, there could be a massive, massive crash that people aren't accounting for. So again, these things might not happen and we might have a soft landing. Everything's fine. But I think the moral of the story is we need to be cautious because anything's still possible at this point. Or uh, door number three, uh, it's real Jimmy Carter hours over here, and we hit a little period of stagflation as inflation stays <laughs> sticky, but we managed to slow down growth anyway by some bizarre and horrifying economic miracle. 
if you were if you know anybody who was alive in the late 70s and or early 80s they will tell you that was not a super chill period in american history do not recommend it um but again we'll have to see exactly where this market is taking us but it's honestly a pretty wild place to be in right now um so when we look at that yes obviously we are here live recording this on friday afternoon where we're hearing reports that you know uh, first republic bank is going to head into fdic receivership sometime soon maybe today maybe not uh it's down 42 percent just today alone down 97 percent since all of these bank worries kicked off but at the same time first republic was one of like the last banks to report earnings every other bank showed some deposit outflows but nothing to be super concerned about the real concern in banking of course is consolidation as everyone flees first republic they're going to go right to jp morgan chase i don't know are we I, at this point i thought we should just initiate a price target in jp morgan just because it's almost free money at this point am i being overconfident there about the consolidation um move there justin no i mean especially if first republic goes under obviously there'll be continued consolidation and i mean how many retail banks or regional banks rather left at this point or even mass consolidation past that i mean yeah there's a flight to safety like there always is they're a good beneficiary but i mean a lot of it's kind of priced in at this point but having said that jp morgan has you know long been in the portfolio as well yeah, so it's just one of those things where that just, that's just another article on our plate, too. Um, awesome. This is a really super cool week in terms of setting what my life is going to be like for the next six months, basically, which is great. It's great that we get these big moments like this and then kind of can sift through the data for a couple of months to see who's right and who's wrong. But if you have people in your life who are a little bit more bullish, I mean, it's kind of real NASDAQ season now, y'all. Like This there's, this is going to definitely be more of a mini bull run because the entire market is completely resisting the, the fear surrounding First Republic. And even the fear surrounding, you know, Amazon not quite hitting where it's supposed to be. Like we are still riding high on Meta's year of emer of year of efficiency, and things haven't really slowed down since. There's other really interesting trends we're watching as well. We're watching pharma and healthcare completely shift to a post-COVID model. You'll be hearing a lot of research from us about that later on. Speaking of which, audience, just so you know, this podcast is brought to you by us, Moby.co. If you want to get a sense of our long-term view on this economy and get an idea of our more of our portfolios, more of our dashboards, I encourage you to check out moby.co slash go sign up for our app download it get an account see what we're doing get a free trial to get our long-term research next week we're going to get our views and where healthcare is going for the next six months in a big big series this week you saw where we thought a lot of our price targets are going to end up as we update a bunch of stuff specifically a secondary winner in cloud which is salesforce and you can get kind of a preview of what's happening in terms of this air quotes post-covid future even though we are very much still in a pandemic the market's super over it though and you're going to see people shift their spend away from COVID mitigation and towards, you know, other aspects of their portfolio. You should still keep yourself safe. The FD, uh, the CDC still says you should mask up, whatever. Just keep that in mind. Otherwise, audience, you'll get our full uh, year view there. After Pharma, we got a big outlook for our travel portfolio coming in the next week. So make sure you check that out as well. But again, that's uh, moby.co slash go. Check us out there. Back to the actual show itself. So Justin, as we keep moving looking for we keep like thinking about where the economy is going uh we got a lot of questions after our episode two weeks ago about politics justin people kind of like our view where we call more balls than strikes and like i let our personal politics decide where the market's gonna go and we're finally seeing the political landscape of 2024 really start to take shape this week joe biden announced he is definitely going to run for president again and ron DeSantis continued his an astonishing collapse in the polls uh, which is just weird to watch. So what do you think, Justin? Is it is it Trump v. Biden 2024 all over again? And how do you kind of see the political situation evolving here in America? I'd love to get your views, dude. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting right now because we thought for the last year DeSantis would be a, a massive competitor. 
um, someone who can come in really challenge Trump and take the Republican nominee. And ultimately, it's seeing, at least in the short term, that that's actually not going to be the case, maybe as much as we thought it once was. He's feuding with Disney. There, There's a lot of issues with uh, progressives instead of conservatives that he's now dealing with. Um, and ultimately, it looks like the polls at least are telling us that Trump is at least favored uh, as of now. Obviously, things can change and it's constantly fluid. But it's looking, especially now that Biden reannounced his plans to run for 2024, that it's going to be a showdown once again uh, of Trump versus Biden. So, you know, our views aside on who would be a better fit, I think from what we're seeing so far, uh, the data suggests that Biden at least has the leg up right now. You know, whether that pisses you off or you're happy to hear it is a separate conversation. Um, but just looking at it right now, given how polarizing Trump is, um, the people love him, love him. People hate him, hate him. Um, I think it's hard to really deny that. And so what we're seeing right now is there's a lot of people who love him and will vote for him no matter what. And there's a lot of people who hate him and won't vote for him no matter what. And those people who hate him paired with the people in the middle, paired with the people who are Democrats, similar to the last election, should probably be enough to allow Biden to win once again and be, and continue to be holding the record for the, the oldest president on record. So, um, I mean, there there's things he's done that's great. There's things that he's done that, you know, maybe some people don't agree with. Again, political views aside, we are just tracking who we think can win. And then ultimately, based on who wins, what does that mean for our portfolios? And so we've talked about this before, but if Biden does win, you know, he's obviously had a massive agenda towards pushing investment in green energy. We've seen a lot of our staple picks like First Solar absolutely go crazy over the last year. You know, if he wins again, that agenda is going to be continued to push forward. There'll be more headwinds in the oil and gas industry, potentially. I mean, typical Democrat versus Republican stuff, but macro, ultimately the macro and policy is having a massive effect on the economy in a way that it, honestly it hasn't in the last 10, 20 years. So it's it's hard to you know invest based on politics, but ultimately it does drive policy and policy does drive investment and investment drives what companies do well and which companies don't. And I think it also speaks to, you have to look at a lot of different factors here, audience. One thing that gives me confidence about the economy itself, like really anecdotally, is that um, if the economy's bad, you're not going to win re-election, period, end of sentence. And so Biden's looking at the same numbers we're looking at and saying, yeah, it's good enough to run for re-election and have a potential to win. So uh, to me, that's, that signals that they're feeling more confident about the strength of the economy moving forward. Whether or not that's delusional will remain to be seen. We'll see how this recovery slash soft landing slash stagflation plays out. But it also speaks to a really big fundamental shift that's really happened in American politics in the past just 18 months. And I want to take you guys through them because the political landscape in America has shifted on a fundamental level that's a little hard to parse. So let me just kind to give you the math here based on people analyzing the midterm elections from was that last year or was it the year before anyway I, whenever it was oh it's 2023 now it wasn't it was last november forgive me i've been doing so much research that i've forgotten what you know decade it is um when you look at how badly the republicans did not take over congress in the midterms you realize that one of the biggest structural advantages Republicans used to have was swing states. You could, you could reliably, as people, you know, shifted their views, you could easily win your swing state as a Republican if a Democrat's in office. But since the Dobbs decision, the decision that ostensibly sent abortion back to the states, like reproductive care for women, what's happened here is that people who are in swing states, Republicans could feasibly win. You could get a Republican Democrat, uh, a, a Republican governor, 
you have a situation where Democrats more than ever are super incentivized to go to the polls and defend reproductive rights basically forever, right? Um, like it, it used to be that Republicans had the advantage there because, you know, you were voting to, you know, help uh, um, stop a practice that you as a Republican thought was bad or whatever. But now it's the exact reverse. All of the momentum, all that energy is shifted back towards Democrats and swing states. And swing states are what you need to win a presidential election. So... Um, it's cool that Repub Republicans got this huge win for themselves, but it took away their biggest structural advantage. So it's going to be very difficult for any Republican in a, in a nationwide election to win for a while now, if you look at the actual structural advantages. Huge shift here, um, and I just want people to be aware of that. We're looking at different organizing principles, so it's really interesting to see how Republicans are going to A, wake up to that, and then B, adapt to that. Like, how do you, if you don't have swing states, what do you have, right? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of my view, so it, it's... A roundabout and more analytical way to say Justin's correct here. Joe Biden has a very strong leg up here. And basically, every Democrat does for a very long time moving forward. But quick caveat here. Everyone thought that Democrats would have a leg up on Republicans um, in 2016 as well. And we saw how that played out. So if you have a transcendent figure like Trump come back, maybe, who knows? So again, very interesting position to be in, but a very hard road for anybody who was a Republican who was also not Donald Trump. So I hope we're super excited for um, you know, 88-year-old presidents. Um, as a person of entirely Northern Irish descent, I thought it was awesome. I just had a really fun time watching Joe Biden give, you know, a speech in Ireland. But that's, you know, kind of the extent of... That's all you're ever going to know about my politics, folks. Um, and that's not even political. That's just not even cultural. It's just kind of nifty. Uh, Eagles fan in the White House? I'll take it. Um, either way, Justin, that kind of is bringing us to time here. So... As we're kind of looking forward to all the trends that are gearing up to sort of rule our lives for the next couple of months, like it's going to be a slow roll as we try to understand this moment of truth for the Fed. Anything else we should be watching to make sure, you know, we have a better chance of understanding and therefore preparing ourselves for whatever direction the economy is going to take? Yeah, I mean, the macro is just important, paying attention to the election, paying attention to GDP, paying attention to inflation and interest rates. Paying attention to the war, the continued war with Russia and Ukraine, any further conflict coming out of China, any like massive like either bank runs or black swan events. These are things really driving like the market kind of over the next year or two. Past that, obviously, company specific earnings is always super important. Um, it's good to see that companies are starting to spend a little bit more money on advertising, which gives us hope that, again, maybe it's not as hard of a landing as it may be like as it you know, it ultimately might play out. So I think long story short, the macro is super important. And then looking at every company and understanding how they're being affected will help us then like invest properly. But as always, you know, we highly recommend heading to the site, getting on our newsletter at the very least, reading it every single day with free and the most important stories, and then signing up, you know, if you it, uh, signing up for a free trial of the subscription to see if it's uh, good for your investment decisions. Hell yeah. And audience, we're doing a lot over here to add as many tools to our app as possible as well. We're, do, we're working a lot with AI. I would have hired like three research assistants by now, but we've been kind of getting by on organizing and making sure our research is coherent thanks to really robust AI tools as well. So uh, make sure you sign up, make sure you understand. So we'll give you updates in terms of how our app is also developing. It's a really exciting time to be sort of in our space as we just have access to just way better 
better tools to help make the markets make sense and give you clarity moving forward. And we're really excited to do that. Regardless, audience, really appreciate you listening to this, but I think it's a good place to end it. So just so you know, this podcast was produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr. All the intellectual value from this comes from our analyst team, which is headed up by Justin Kramer, CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst here at Moby.co. If you have any questions for us, you can feel free to hit us up at hellomoby.co or go to moby.co slash go and download our app. Also get an idea of what we're thinking in terms of a day-to-day basis by joining us over at TikTok and Instagram. We're doing lots of really good analyses and good graphs there. And if you really want like to have your finger on the pulse of what's happening in the market sort of day by day, sign up for our email newsletter that's growing like wildfire in terms of people getting every morning just like a good market brief that's like actually focused as opposed to all over the place. Regardless, audience, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, we'd like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much. Thank you.